Glenn, it is one more episode, at least, of This Is Whole Life. Today in studio, Jeff Sincomani. Welcome back to the studio. It feels good. No phone call today. I like that. All right. So, in previous weeks, we know we've been going through some, what was it? It was a great question. Last week, Messy Middle with John Monday. Nothing wrong with any of those messages. I liked them all. But we found ourselves missing a key ingredient to these messages over the last, oh, what was that, four or five weeks? I mean, and again, great messages, not disparaging. John, you're you're not even a guest pastor still. We still think of you as family. <laughs> but this week, we had that little special something before Ken hit the stage. Before he walked in the front doors, it came this week in the opening sentence of our message synopsis. Let me just read that opening sentence for you. What are you willing to suffer for another person? Yes, you guessed it. The return of the Velvet Sledgehammer is here. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Welcome back, my sort of soft, solid steel friend. I mean, the second sentence contained words like patience, acceptance, tolerate, problems, suffering, annoyed, and anxious, which means we can only be talking about one thing, love. There we are. That's it. That's it. Love means so many things to so many people. And when you start talking about love, everyone has a different viewpoint from where where they're going to attack this from. And I feel like there are so many so many issues here. And let's just start with the first one. Ken said in First Corinthians thirteen four, patient and kind are conjoined twins. <laughs> I mean, if it wasn't so just frightening. It's it's funny. I mean, they, they, he said they can't be separated. For Paul in the gospel, simply biting your lip or even achieving the ability to not have animosity to those who have done wrong to you is not enough. You must be kind to them. I'm trying to read this with a straight face. You must be kind to them. I, 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 these are magnets that are really, really strong that are pushing in the opposite direction, Ken. Yeah, I think people shouldn't be confused. I don't like the things I preach either, okay, just so we know. I mean, No, no, I, I like it, but yeah. I'm just thinking to myself. Well, I don't. I, it's, <laughs> I found myself on Sunday. I know whenever I preach on something, I know I'm going to get to deal with it in the next week. And so uh, I immediately failed the test on Sunday. And, oh, no. And thank goodness God gives retakes. So. <laughs> retakes. Well, now that's the best thing I've heard so far. Thank you for that. Ken, You're welcome. God gives retakes right now. So. The rest of the time we're talking, just remember, God gives retakes. <laughs> well, after, after this, we'll have a confession time. Is yeah, that maybe. Confession. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. That'll be our new podcast, <laughs> The Confessions of Pastor Ken. Oh, my goodness. I just, I mean, I loved the the whole outline, the whole idea of what we're talking about is so important to all of us. I mean, you don't have to look very far around to see so much of the opposite and so prevalent, maybe more than ever. Where do we even begin to make this? Okay, let's just say this feels like an idea, and we're going to do this on purpose, but we're going to do it on even, oh, what, a more occasional happening? Where where do we start from when you realize? Because to me, patient and kind, whew, I, I don't know that. I mean, I can be kind on occasion. I'm probably better at being kind than I am being patient. Mm. And that's probably scary. 
scary yeah. because someone goes, I'm sure there's someone listening going, I don't really recall Randy being all that kind. So oh. if, if, if he's, if, you know, if he's less patient than he is kind, woo. You know, I think the thing that I got out of just studying for this sermon and the word patience is that I, I really do like the original word and what it really means is to suffer along with. Yeah. To suffer along with. And long suffering is really old fashioned word. We don't use it a, a lot anymore. Mm-hmm. But it really encapsulates the the original word that was used in the Greek for this this idea that Paul was having. And, and I think, like I said in my sermon, my patience gets done when I start to suffer. <laughs> when I you know, I will be patient with <laughs> yep. you up until I begin to suffer to really suffer. You know, I mean when it's an annoyance, I'll be patient with you. But when I start to suffer, because the word suffer to me is just a really strong word. Uh it, to me, I mean it implies pain and angst and hurt. And so for me, I I find myself being willing to be patient with people when they don't understand something right away or when they're not, you know, they don't bring me my food quite quick enough. Maybe (laughs) I can handle that. But what really stretches my patience, my long suffering is when somebody is intentionally mean to me or those I love, even worse, those that I love. Mm -hmm. And then my patience is done. And yet for Paul, that's where patience begins. It's long suffering. It's this idea that we suffer long with somebody, that we don't just give up after a few minutes of suffering, but that we're willing to go ahead and actually suffer in a long way. And I know that's a really difficult thing, and I think we have to be very careful with that because I don't think we want to condone people uh, being mistreated and saying, well, you just need to accept that, you know, that you're in an abusive relationship yeah, or sure. something like that. I don't think that we're that's not at all what I'm wanting to say, but what I am trying to say is that in our American culture we tend to really not give ourselves the opportunity to show God's grace and his love because we are so adverse to suffering. The, the air conditioning <laughs> goes out and you know for for an hour or two the electricity goes out for an hour or two and people go berserk and which is not to say I, I I get it I'm with you but what I'm saying is we we just we just have as a society have really I think overall really have a low tolerance for pain I, I really matter of fact that was my favorite part of the whole sermon the the, the rest of it was great but that piece was really important that that you said that this that patience really starts when we when we personally start to suffer and i think the reason why we have such a hard time with that is that kind of suffering when you put it in the context of how i'm patient with you or with you is really a a sense of suffering internally too. In other words, there is a little bit of empathy in that because I have to start all of a sudden realizing the reason I'm being patient is because I have to start offering understanding. And as soon as I do that, it's it's a piece of me that I'm having to give and it's a piece of me that I'm having to be aware of. And I think becoming aware of your own pain and your own suffering in the middle of that that's resistance right there right there for me and i think that's what's what makes it so hard is all of a sudden you're asking me not just to be tolerant for a few minutes or be patient 
but you're asking me to be in the moment of suffering with that. And nobody – and it's hard because we're our own worst enemies. We create scenarios that we do not like to come to grips with. So yeah, I'm not excellent. patient. I'm not even patient with myself. Yeah. So, you know – yeah, exactly. To me, it's all part of that <laughs> that self-talk that we have that is – for me, it's expecting perfection in things that I do and it's expecting things to be done right the first time. I hate getting halfway through something going, oh, you, 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 oh, you missed – you know, the little step that was so – it's in, in the grand scheme of things, it is so insignificant. 99.9% .9 of people would never even know you didn't do it. But then I got to take the whole thing apart because to me it's going to drive me crazy that it's not there. And I know that that's way OCD. But then when you have those expectations constantly for yourself, you don't just send off better expectations of other people and you catch yourself going, wow – Sometimes when I look at how I treat other people and my expectations, I then look at myself and go, wow, you really are like a troll to your own, <laughs> to your own self and how you treat yourself. And I think that's so hard then to go it's, – it's like looking in the mirror going, wow, I'm just really not patient and I really have no tolerance for X, Y, and Z, whatever that might be for you. And I don't know. That just makes it very hard to then put a smile on my face. I'm like it changes your mood to the point where I need a little time to re, kind of regroup myself and then try to at least fake it like, like right, this is a kind face, right? Yeah, no. And, and I don't know how to do that better other than you just have to practice. But it seems like we lose a lot in the way of if we're not picking up something tangible to keep moving ourselves forward to become better at this, how long do we want to be, well, he's all right, I guess. You know, yeah. when you find yourself in that situation, what's your next step to just try to be better? I mean, I know reading your Bible and, and God does help. I, mean, I can think of a multitude of things that I pray for, even myself, my family, that you over time you see that. But these can be long suffering. I mean, that's a kind of an open ended invitation to suffering. Yeah. I th with I think, no end date. <laughs> I, but I think, Randy, it's important. It's in the context of what this sermon is actually about. If I'm having a struggle, and let's take for instance, you know, if I'm struggling with, am I loving my wife? Am I am I really loving my wife? And all of a sudden, I can look at patience and kindness as being attributes that are, you know, and this one, it's literally the first thing we should be looking at. And if I know that in that suffering, I'm actually doing love. I'm, you know, I love the action word of love. I'm actually doing what is needed to be done. Um, we, you're probably going to touch on this down the road, but you know, keeping track of and keeping record of and all of those other aspects. But right now, if I just know that love works when I do this, this is actually how love actually works. It's not about my passion. It's not about my it's not about my romantic pieces that I – it's about this first and that that's what I'm doing. That creates a sense of – I don't want to call it confidence, but it does really give you a sense of confidence that I'm on the right track when it comes to love, loving my wife or loving someone else. I think it also helps us a lot when we start understanding that um, love is a verb versus mm -hmm. a feeling mm. Yeah, because if we understand that – loving involves suffering, then that changes 
the way that we love people. And, yeah, and, that's true. And that yeah. what I often see is relationships that break apart because one person says, I don't feel loved anymore. I don't feel that mm-hmm. I love this person. This person is mean. They're nasty. They're not the person that I started off the relationship with. And I feel like so many relationships miss the beauty of love, that we're all very flawed, that we often uh, – that we all cause pain yeah. to others, and that the beauty of love is that it doesn't give up when suffering begins, that in fact it it mm-hmm. looks for ways to be kind when it's being mistreated. And, and that's that's the part that I know I grapple with. I mean, when sure. the easy thing I think and in our society, what we've learned to do with social media and with our relationships is that when it becomes uncomfortable, we turn it off because it's easy to do. I don't like what you're saying on social media. I'm going to block you. <laughs> um, I don't like what you're saying on social media. I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and quit social media and just ignore you and not interact with you. And yet, I think that Christ, when he tells us to love the world, and when he tells us to spread the news about him, that's exactly the the exact opposite reaction of what Christ would have us do. And it's the exact opposite reaction of what Christ did for us. Instead of turning away, Christ turned into. And and we need to be more willing to do that as well. And again, I want to just put the asterisk, you know, all within, you know, the realm, the of, realm. Of, yeah. of good decision making. But because, again, this, this is not an excuse for abusive people to be abusive and say, well, and, and I've heard this before, too, and, and it drives me absolutely nuts. I'll have somebody be like, you need to tell that spouse of mine. <laughs> That they need to forgive me and they need to go ahead and be patient with me and suffer along with me. And my response back to them is you need to stop worrying about what they need to be doing and ask yourself, what are you doing? Are you being loving? And before you start worrying, you know, you're being abusive and you're and, and I don't think that abusers ever have the right to tell the the person they're abusing when that person has to get over it. If you've done the abusing, you don't have a right to get there. Jesus has a right to talk to that person. And, and to deal with them. But if you've been abusive, you don't have the right to tell somebody when they need to get over and, and, and that they need to be patient. They need to be kind. If you've done something wrong, you need to say you're sorry. And what do I need to do to make it right? That's your job. And if the other person says at this point, there's nothing that will make it right. Part of being patient yeah. is suffering and wishing you could be back in relationship, but also taking ownership for the fact that you did some things that created distance. And again, I think that the beauty of love that God has given us is that it's always about the restoration of, of, of relationships. It's about relationship and it's about its restoration. And um, if we would all just go ahead and really figure out how we could be willing to suffer, then I think we would all be – I mean, I think this would be, there would be a lot less suffering. Yeah. Well, and I like what you said there because – I feel like that is a lesson you eventually learn somehow that God teaches it to you, that suffering isn't always a negative. Mm-hmm. To me, suffering has become, not wasn't always this way, but after Emily was born, suffering 
become something completely different. Now, I didn't enjoy the first six months of her being here while there were things to learn. There were things to understand. There was a whole barrage of things that needed to be updated from what the information had been presented to us, even by medical professionals who clearly hadn't read their textbooks in a while. And so the suffering that you went through there, while I didn't enjoy it, when you find on the other side the unconditional love that someone with Down syndrome is a, it's a different kind of love that nobody else has. That extra chromosome <laughs> uh, does something that just doesn't happen anywhere else. And so when you find out that the suffering was really just a part of it that now pays back dividends way beyond what you could have possibly imagined. Plus, it also makes you look at other suffering and other love and other people in a completely different way. So without going through the suffering, there's it's almost like your definition of love can't be complete because I know mine wasn't. I'm not saying that someone's in a like you were talking about a bad relationship or an abusive. I mean, you're not learning anything positive there. You might learn what you would never put up with again if this, you know, is not repairable, something like that. But it just it's really changed me as a person, as our family, because this minute you say suffering, whoa, back up. Who you know who's who's going into that? Well, I'll t- how much for a ticket? I'll take three. Let's 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 go for the suffering and and double down on it, and yet. So much of that is what has made us who we are today, and I, I wouldn't trade that either. So I think there's a part of the suffering that is so just repulsive but yet can be such a positive that until you experience it truly, it's hard to know. Yeah, It's hard, hard to understand how much good there can be there. Yeah, and a good case in point is and, – and again, Ken mentioned this in, in his talk – is clarity – as mm. as we as we dig down with people, and you said, even though it's suffering, I had to find information. I had to yeah. I had to reach down and, matter of fact, go beyond some of the things that were being told to us. And that's the same thing that happens in good counseling. It happens in good restoration of mar- you know marriage and relationships. Is that the more I become clear, the more I be, I dig down into finding out less, you know, because we love to live in the abstract, because it it protects us and it keeps us from having to be transparent. But the more I go down, 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 that's suffering. That's hard to do. Sometimes that deals with a lot of pain. So that piece of finding clarity, finding the less abstract piece, or at least a little bit more understanding, and that should actually be that should be our goal for communication. Should not be about winning. Should not be about trying to find the best argument. The, our our goal for communication should always be about understanding clarity. Hold on, let me write this down. It shouldn't be about. Hold on, I got to change. I had a top three here, guys, before I came in, and Jeff just screwed it all up. Now, now which one? No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, it, you're you're so right in. So much of this almost seems counterintuitive and then another part of it seems like a good reminder. You dropped Luke 635, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. And you're like, yeah, but he's Jesus, Ken. Jeff, come on. That's what he's supposed to do. Yes, he is Jesus, and that's what he's saying. So, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So then he dropped Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. And this one really was 
a text that I read in that early stages after she was born, and I was not happy about it. And I was like, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And I hate that. When you're mad, you hate that. Well, you know, just as God through Christ has forgiven you, we'll see. And then it's like, yeah, but I didn't ask for that. And I'm mad right now, so quit forgiving me, and I shouldn't be being forgiven because if you knew what I – wait a minute, yeah, shoot, he knows what I'm thinking already. And that one is can be this this vicious cycle, at least it was for me, before – for just the, the situation, for things I didn't understand, things I had to learn. And then – and you go through that and – then you start looking at your whole life and going, man, there are holes all over the place that need to be repaired. There's holes that need to be filled. There's things I should be doing because we we seem to take like kindness and love and respect. And it's like, well, I, I like Ken. I'll be nice to him. But that Jeff fella, <laughs> he's got some issues. I think we need to wait. I think we need to long suffer a little time apart before we, you know, we, we get together to do those. But then that's because maybe – that relationship between Ken and I is is safe and it's reciprocal where maybe I just don't know Jeff that well. I just have an idea of that. So we reserve that for people like that, like ourselves or like why is it so important that we have to go outside that little box though? Because it's not safe out there. That You know, you get outside the box and now I'm with people like Jeff who just scare me. You know, it's not, it hasn't been reciprocated yet. Very scary. I do I a lot of that to other people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We do have to do this to grow though, right? I mean, is that essentially why we have to go do this? See, I think this is where a lot of people miss out on the greatest blessing of the church. You'll hear people saying, I don't need church to be mm-hmm. a Christian. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to be around these people, especially since they're hypocrites. They're not nice. They're not mean. And I would suggest that maybe the greatest gift the church has to give are those experiences, because the Christian life is one of learning to live in community. It's a lot easier to be kind when you only surround yourself with like-minded people who treat you the way that you want to be treated. It's another thing altogether to live the Christian life with people who are imperfect, that are hypocrites, that are unkind. And again, this isn't a a good reason to have an unkind church culture, but it's one of the beauties of marriage, is that marriage is one of these events that has the opportunity to shape your character like nothing else, because it is impossible to live in close proximity with with someone else without the rough edges showing uh, over time. And, and, And rough edges... When they get rubbed together, eventually rub down to smoothness um, if you allow it. But it's painful and it takes time. And, and I would say the same thing is true within church. If you, you don't become more patient and kind by isolating yourself, you become more patient and kind by living in friction with others and allowing that friction, more importantly, allowing Christ to make it obvious to you where you need to grow. I, I remember there, there came a point. Um, in my marriage where I, I, I had been so focused on what Rochelle needed to do better. And God slapped me in the face and he said, this is not about Rochelle, this is about you. Yeah, You quit worrying about what Rochelle needs to be doing and you take care, you've got plenty of things that need to get <laughs> taken care of. You, t- you worry about you. And I know maybe that sounds, maybe for some of you, you, you learn quicker and you already knew that, but it was 
it was just a real – I remember it was a very um, – just a deep moment for me where I was like, whoa, you're right. This I have been more focused on what I need others to do for me than what I can be doing for myself to grow as a person and what I can be doing to be kind in this relationship. And and I think that's what, what a lot of us would benefit from is to instead of isolating ourselves and pulling ourselves away and getting into echo chambers with like-minded people, if we would immerse ourselves with the people that force us to grow, that force us to look at a different viewpoint, not so that we can agree with their viewpoint, but so that we can live in relationship with them. I think we need to be thankful, actually, for those people that don't fit into our comfort zone, so to speak. I think we need to be grateful that they're in our lives because mm, yeah. we have this idea that the fruits of the Spirit or these values that we pinpoint, we should only hang around people that are kind to us, they're long-suffering and so forth. But if you think about them from the standpoint of, you know, I've got these pieces in my life that need to be uh, challenged sometimes. They need to be brought out. They need to be, as you said, they need to be grown. Yeah. And uh, generosity and patience and all of these things that come, they come in community. They come with other people. You know, we have this idea that Jesus walking alongside of us, he would just be our friend and just be everything so nice and I would just feel good all the time. No, Jesus <laughs> Jesus would be challenging us. I mean, he would literally be speaking into our lives and we're going, whoa, I did not need to hear that right now. And You've but, heard of the 12 disciples. But he does, right? it, in, yeah, <laughs> he does it in love. But he's still going to speak to those things. And, and I'm, I've, I think those are the people that we actually should be grateful for in our lives. Absolutely. Yeah. It's amazing. Like I said, we keep talking about, you know, I keep talking about just turning away from people. But again, it's like we, we're so quick to just, we, we either don't want to hear criticism or whatever and we turn away from it or a different viewpoint than we have that we just know is utter ridiculousness and we turn away from that. But we also turn away from giving kindness, like I talked about in my, mm-hmm. summer, like, uh, in my sermon that I talked about uh, Dave, Dave Livermore, who is one of my mentors, who, who if you didn't know the relationship and I told you what he said to me, it would sound rather unkind. He said, you're not, yeah. you know, you've got a lot of leadership potential and you've got a lot of natural talent, but you're not, you're not the leader you could be. You could do better. Oh, right. and, yeah. and, you know, you're, you're being lazy. And, you know, for somebody who worked 60 to 80 hours a week, that's a, that's a slap in the face because I know I'm not lazy. Yeah. But when you have a, you know, a friend who loves you, you stop and listen a little bit more. And, and that's where I think that a lot of us get mistaken. A lot of times we try to speak into people's lives that we don't have a relationship with, which is exactly the wrong time to speak yeah, into their yeah. life. And then we don't speak into the lives of the people we do have a relationship with, which is exactly the time we should be, be speaking it, into yeah. it. And Dave spoke into my life at the right time. He had a relationship with me. I knew he cared about me. And as we unpacked what he was saying, it really made it, it began to sink in. And not only did he just say that to me, but he modeled it. I watched him. He he's a voracious reader, and he's the one who really put me on the path to making sure that I'm I'm reading every day, that I'm putting good information, not just uh, you know it, there's a time and a place for everything, but putting really good, high quality reading material. That doesn't mean that I agree with everything that I read. Or that I only read things that agree with my previous suppositions. He's talking about reading things that challenge me, that that make me think through. But 
what a gift that was because because of what he did, I actually started taking my leadership more seriously. I started actually recognizing that leadership wasn't just something that you either had or you didn't, but it was like any other skill in life. You can grow it and you can be better. And if you just rely on natural talent, you never become what you could be. Could be. Yeah. And so what a what a gift he gave me. I, to this day, I'm incredibly grateful for, for Dave having the courage mm-hmm. to say that because I know a lot of times we're afraid that we're going to lose friendships over the, oh, if I say that, they won't like me anymore. They won't come to church anymore. They won't be in my small group anymore. And a lot of times... It, that's not the case. Uh, sometimes that can happen, but sometimes when we speak truth to people, it's a, a turning point in their life that they, they go, wow, that really made a difference. That really made a difference for me. It's not always apparent right away what that cho- what that was. Yeah. Just because it, you went and said, oh, man, you're right. Okay, okay. Now, now to Dave, it could be, well, that's a win. Well, but and for he- Dave, that wasn't a win because when he said that to me, I – argued back a little bit. It took me more than a year to kind of, but he walked alongside right. me And there's that. the other half of it. You don't know how it's going to turn yeah, out, right? Well, exactly. So don't let the part of, well, you might not be my well, friend anymore. Just somebody argues with you doesn't necessarily mean they didn't hear you. Or that they don't like you. Yeah. I hate that part where we feel like if we have a differing opinion that all of a sudden we can't be friends and we like, I don't like you. I just don't agree with that, right, that part. And it's really interesting. As soon as you said Dave Livermore, I went to academy with his daughter. Okay. Uh, Krista. <laughs> we're probably as close online. Her, her and I on Facebook talk a lot. And we were detention hall buddies at the academy. So that, that would make sense to me, not because I know her, but because I know Dave. You? And, <laughs> and uh, Well, you make sure that you tell her when you talk to her next time that I took her dad's name in vain in, yeah. in front of the church. So, so yeah, no, I just, it was a, a unique, um, unique experience. And the little bit that I do know of him, uh, it didn't seem out of character for what you described, and so yeah. Dave's, I just, Dave's a tremendous person. I just anyway, yeah. I just think that's awesome that someone trusts in the friendship. They trust in God when they say, "Hey, bud, you know, how's yeah. it going? Just something on my mind. Take it or leave it, or <laughs> you know, whatever you're going to do with it." But that can be that can be a challenge. I think the other part of it is that when we when we say these things, when we when we have these kind of conversations, I think that one of the things we have to also be willing to accept is that people won't accept what we have to say to them, that they that they can reject it. And that and that's the beauty of God. God is patient. Yeah. And and kind. And that's how that these things are so reciprocal because when you give something to somebody and they reject it, they go, No, no, you're wrong and you know you're right, but they're no, 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 you're wrong, I'm not gonna change it. Do we move out of relationship with them because they rejected it? And we're like, well, there you go. I mean, I see so many times where uh, within Christianity, within Seventh-day Adventist Church, we quote-unquote share the truth with somebody. They don't agree with it. They reject it. And we're like, well, on to the next victim. I mean, next person. <laughs> a person, yeah. <laughs> um, and so as opposed to seeing this person as a relationship and a friendship, and just because they don't accept what we have to share— that doesn't mean that we're not in relationship with them them anymore. It means we continue on in that relationship. We walk alongside, not for the sake of of hopefully eventually being vindicated vindicated (laughs) or whatever, but because we genuinely love people, because we care about them, because we value the relationship. I think that's easy to stop, though, because if you're not immediately met with, well, thanks for bringing that to my attention. I'll get on that right away. (laughs) Then you think, well— Maybe I should give them some space then because they're mad at me or whatever instead of continuing to check in. Maybe we should have some whole life T-shirts made up with, I've been gifted the velvet sledgehammer. 
And that way, you know, when it, yeah, I, I like that. Maybe we could, uh, that way you know when someone wears the t-shirt, they're ready to talk about it again. Ooh, you know, it's like yeah. a little, it's a little code. Yeah, and, Brene Brown calls it rumbling. Yeah. She calls it, uh, let's let's rumble. rumble. Yeah. Let's rumble. Let's do yeah. it. We could be here for another half an hour and still not cover everything, I'm sure. And I'm afraid that as we move forward, there might be more of this to come in this series because it's just, there's so many things to talk about and so many things to understand. But we didn't have any Q&A questions this week because there was no Q&A because we were doing – it was communion. Yeah, we had communion. We definitely wanted yep. to keep the flow going with uh, just really a worshipful – not that Q&A isn't worshipful, but it would have just kind of disrupted But it worked. Yeah. yeah the, the whole idea of not having it this week worked. So we don't have any questions to answer. Next but week though. So if you had questions, you could you like – Bring them in now. Bring them in yeah. to this or – Start. Next week. Yeah. In the, yeah. yeah. Because guess who is worship ho- online worship host this week? Ooh. Yeah, that's this guy. Okay. So you, that means – What did you do be- to Stanley? Did you, did, you, did you break another one of his fingers or uh? – <laughs> no. No, he's going on vacation. What? Or he's going to be gone vacation for the, time. Well, at least for the weekend. I don't know if it's oh, anything okay. longer than that, but he'll well. be gone this weekend. So <laughs> he'll be gone and maybe be tuning in to see how badly I, I messed this up. But And so that means also Q&A. So if you want to get these questions now, and I'm going to tell you what uh, we have upcoming, but I'll be pestering you Saturday morning as well for questions early and maybe even through Twitter through the rest of this week. So if you do follow the whole life it's at Whole Life O-R-L, for short for Orlando. That is our Twitter handle, and if you you can send them there too because I monitor that daily, and that's where all of the updates for the podcast come out is on that Twitter feed. But this week, our Whole Life Reflections was really four in one, and it really worked really well. And I wanted to end with that because if there's something that we need to do or something we can think about or you're thinking, okay, this all sounds really good, what, what could be a couple things I could do? So there's, here's four easy steps. First, you ask yourself the question, with whom do you struggle to be patient in your life? Two, without placing the blame on other persons, why, person or persons, why do you think you are impatient with them? Three, how could you be kind to this person or persons? And then four, stop and pray for the person you've been thinking of and ask God to help you be patient and kind in your relationship with them. That's pretty easy. If we could just do – maybe even just pick one and maybe not the hardest one. Maybe pick the easiest one or the person you feel like you maybe have the best inroad to a conversation because maybe you're feeling a little uncomfortable, which you probably will because we all do. And, and start with that one and see how that goes throughout the week. And then if there's anything we missed this week because we didn't have a Q&A, anything from the message – just let us know. Always available here, 407-965-1607. You can leave a voicemail or a text or email podcast at wholelife.church or at wholelifeorl on Twitter. That's another easy one. Our final thoughts are from the closing to Ken's message. He said, patience is the willingness to remain in relationship, to bear with another, to suffer long. As you practice patience, remember to add kindness. True kindness is not just a random act or something we do for those we like. True kindness is something we do for those who are unkind to us and who irritate us. So that's like the that's the velvet sledgehammer like five pound version. You know, regular ones like like what's that's like ten or fifteen. That's like the little one you hold in your hand. Uh, just that last part. It's the gavel. Mm-hmm. Something we do for those who are unkind to us and who irritate us. Man, it's that last one that really gets me. Who irritate us? That's a, that's a hard one. Because then you the edges, re- they really don't move well. You know, you said they wear down over time, mm-hmm. they become smooth, but boy, they don't move much in the beginning when they irritate us. All right, next week. So if you have questions or you have ideas about this, it is going to be Love Is Part Two, Not Jealous. 
Love is not jealous. That seems easier than patient and kind, so I have some hope for next week. Should I have hope for next week, Ken? Uh, no. No. That's <laughs> no. actually a really good one. <laughs> oh, boy. Jeff's already read it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I'm, I'm in trouble because I'm totally not seeing the Velvet Sledgehammer in this one. But, so. this, but hey, we're, 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 uh, we're, we're quoting Shakespeare. We mm-hmm. are quoting um, just some amazing people and not to mention all the, you know, what the Bible has to share as well. So it's going to be good. Excellent. All right. I'm not just saying that because I wrote it. (laughs) (laughs) Please be at church. Just please. please, please, Yeah, please please, come. (laughs) Please. I miss you. And we'll deal with Ken's humility next week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're we're actually, that's, you're not far off. I think that, I think we're getting close. uh, (laughs) Is not, is, uh, love is not proud. So yeah, I think you're, you're quite right. So look at you, the prophetic gift. Well, it's coming. You know, it's something else you got to work on. Just one more thing to add to the list. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening and have a fantastic week.